welcome to This Week in Technology. I'm Ben Adamson and I'll take you through this week's technology news stories, just highlights that I've picked out that I think are particularly relevant across areas like artificial intelligence, robotics, and other cutting-edge technologies, as well as more general IT news, technology news, and new device releases. So let's get started. A global team of AI researchers have come together to work on a project where they have a machine learn how to express itself through handwritten characters. So the ultimate expression of this is that they've been able to run the machine through the Turing test to have a panel of judges decide whether they can detect that this was either a human being or a machine. And in this case, the majority of the judges were not able to perceive that this is the work of a machine, which is obviously really important. So really exciting to, to read about this, and this has come via MIT. The news really sort of shows that we're starting to make some of those great strides and it's fascinating to understand, I guess, that we've got the idea of a machine learning potentially in the way of humans. So they have made it clear that the way the program works is not to mimic the way a child might acquire knowledge, but it's really more about emulating the way an adult might learn to recognize and recreate new characters based on what they already know. So this is really relevant when we start to think about pattern recognition and uh, I guess applications where a human may previously need to have been involved to provide that element of intelligence. So one of the things that's been highlighted as a possible application is in the analysis of drone data, for instance, where you've got a lot of data points and a lot of information, a lot of visual information, and it requires a level of human interaction with that data for us to be able to get anything useful out of it. So having a system which can constantly monitor and look for patterns which it recognizes as being related to something or, or looking like they might be relevant is really key. So in terms of what the program actually did, it actually used a virtual pen, actually using a different program for each character. So the software generates that unique program which then allows it to go ahead and draw a character and this varies from previous attempts in that the software is not simply displaying an A or a B based on its knowledge of samples. It's using a technique which the researchers have called Bayesian Program Learning Framework, or BPL. And it uses a probabilistic programming technique which it's using to match a program to a particular character uh, or to generate a new program for an unfamiliar one. Akamai has released its State of the Internet report quarter three of 2015, and they've actually reported that Australia has the slowest growth rate in terms of the peak broadband speed. So talking about Asia-Pacific region, and this is a year-over-year -year basis. So it's really clear that Australia has some issues with its broadband speed. For those of us based here would know that uh, they're certainly not the best and that sometimes businesses and home users struggle. Essentially what they found is that the peak speed was about 41.9 megabits. The average speed was about 7.8 megabits in terms of an average, which is still just marginally ahead of, I guess, the global average of 5.1 megabits. And so globally, although Australia is you know, technically advanced, very modern nation, seeing at 46th position globally in terms of broadband speeds. Taking that, that peak speed and giving it a year-on-year -year percentage, it's grown by only 16%. So that speaks to what's happening in terms of our infrastructure. And when we compare that to countries like Singapore, their peak speed increased by 63% in terms of the, the quarter last year to the quarter this year. And they're now up to 135.4 megabits. 
South Korea is leading the way with its average speed of 20.5 megabits, well ahead of Sweden, which has got the average speed of 17.4. Some other forerunners being Norway, Switzerland, Hong Kong, the Netherlands, Japan, Finland, etc. So Australia's definitely got a long way to go in terms of developing our broadband infrastructure and really delivering some of those faster speeds and opening up the capacity so that business can take advantage as well as home users who definitely now want to leverage things like 4K Netflix and some of those streaming services which are really just going to chew up the bandwidth. So we're rolling out our national broadband network but I guess the question now will be whether or not it will be fast enough to keep up especially on the basis that many connections now are not going to be fiber optic. They're going to be relying just on copper connections. Worthy of note this week that Apple has named Jeff Williams as the new COO, and he's moving up to that position that was once Tim Cook's. So Tim Cook has since become the incumbent chief executive, and Phil Shiler has now expanded his leadership in terms of moving into being in charge of the App Store ecosystem. And one of the things that's been noted for him up front is that the Mac App Store really needs some work. So look, not a, not a lot of additional detail to go into there, just some big moves on that corporate space. One thing that's really caught my attention is that this week Microsoft's opened its HoloLens showcase in the New York flagship store. There hasn't been that much detail made public about the HoloLens solution so far, but developers are being let in on what they can expect by checking out the hardware and soft solution at the Fifth Avenue store in New York City. So Microsoft has run up a few experiences for people to check out, mixed reality gaming, some storytelling, and there are definitely going to be some really interesting applications for business and particularly around user interaction with data and I think when we think of holographic UI, everyone tends to think about Minority Report and Tom Cruise being able to structure all of his information just by swiping his hands, etc. So I think this will be one to watch as more detail comes to the fore in terms of seeing how that augmented reality, which includes a 3D element, improves how people are able to perceive data and work beyond the screen. In addition to what we've been seeing in the virtual reality space from things like Google Cardboard and the cheap headsets which allow us to convert our smartphones into a really quite effective virtual reality solution, as well as the emergence of more mainstream wearables like Google Watch, it starts to become much more realistic that these more immersive experiences are going to become very much the everyday both at home in gaming, but also when we start to think about how we will work, how we'll interact with data, how we'll communicate. Right now we know that the HoloLens is a device platform from Microsoft that runs Windows 10 at its core. And the key aspect of this is that developers will be able to use the universal Windows platform in terms of building their apps. So definitely one to watch and I look forward to bringing you more news on that one in the future. There have been some interesting insights into the case surrounding illegal downloads of the movie Dallas Buyers Club. In Australia, this has made it to the federal court, and the court has ruled that Dallas Buyers Club will not be permitted to claim damages from the almost 5,000 people who have allegedly uh, infringed on the copyright by downloading the film. The rights holders are seeking to gain some kind of payment from the people who have downloaded the content. And it's an interesting test case in terms of people potentially having to pay for something that they have torrented. And it had at one point become so prevalent 
that it seemed likely that there would be some kind of backlash. So watching this go through its procedure is interesting in terms of understanding what people will likely do next. Combined with the metadata retention laws now in place in Australia, people are quite wary of their activity online, but this came from a time when people were much more freely downloading movies and shows and that kind of thing. In the United States, a common strategy was to do speculative invoicing and essentially send out a request for payment of up to $9,000, and this was presented as an alternative to paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in court. So right now, the rights holders are not allowed to do this in Australia, and they've had to pay a fairly substantial bond to the courts to underpin the idea that until this is resolved, they're really not allowed to approach people directly for any kind of compensation. As streaming services have become more prevalent, it's more common for people to use those streaming searches rather than routinely downloading things. So this is potentially a bit of a historical case, but it will also cement if there is any kind of success in the rights holders being able to pursue the end users, that idea that streaming is now the way to go, people will want to legitimately gain access to that content. Following on from the story last week about Baidu's self-driving car hitting the road at 100 kilometers per hour, the Chinese search engine giant has actually come out and said that they are planning to have a self-driving bus on the road within the next three years. We're seeing a lot of news related to the autonomous cars, and this is the next step in terms of developing a more autonomous mass transit. And this would be particularly important in countries and locations where existing cities and infrastructure don't lend themselves well to train or other rail-based infrastructure. And although we may move to more individual self-driving cars, having the mass transit angle is also likely to be very helpful in terms of all the coordination of that traffic being autonomous, being able to just really efficiently use the existing roads. So making sure that the inconsistency in people's behavior is not causing delays and that we can optimize the use of those existing roads. So it's really only whispers at this point. There's no solid details surrounding the bus idea. Baidu's autonomous car has been via partnership with BMW AG. And as BMW aren't necessarily in the bus market, it will be interesting to see if they select a different partner or whether they manufacture on their own. That's all from me this week. Look forward to talking to you again next week.